Welcome back to Front Runner Podcasts. My name is James Bowen, and today we've got Phil Kaya on, and we're going to be talking about quantum computing. Quantum computing is quite an interesting topic. Phil, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. Uh, pleasure to be here. You know, Phil, quantum computing, uh, we've been talking about that for the last couple of uh, number of years, decade or so, and there's regularly in the media, there's breakthroughs in terms of the capability of quantum computing. and when I think of quantum computing, I think of the kinds of models that we can tackle now with quantum computing, which weren't necessarily doable with the traditional classical binary computers that we have today. So there is the optimization models. There are models which we have complex variables, and the, the understanding of how these variables interact are uh, themselves maybe not well understood. So. Maybe you could speak in terms of the kinds of modeling that we can um, try and tackle with quantum computers. The modeling usually is around, of course, the, the data and variable structure themselves. Maybe you could start us off by giving us a bit of a, a sense for the types of models that we can now tackle with the quantum approach. Sure. Um, so when you say models, um so I think in more in terms of uh, computing problems, uh, you know, hard problems uh, that, that we uh, we need to use computers to solve. And um, uh, you know, as technology has progressed and, and, and computing power has gotten more and more, uh, you know, more and more um, powerful, uh, but the problems that we're trying to address uh, and the amounts of data that we're trying to process um, to solve these computing problems is growing, uh, you know, at an even faster rate. And so. You know, especially with the advent of machine learning and, and uh, all of the computing uh, requirements that that brings, um, you know, certainly, uh, um, you know, we're pushing the limits of what, uh, you know, and beyond of what of what uh, classical computers can do. When I say classical computers, I mean I mean the computers that we that we built today, the uh, the supercomputers, the uh, you know everything from from your desktop, your laptops, to, you know, to the most powerful Cray supercomputers, uh, you know, that NASA might use. Um, so there, there are a range of problems that we use computers for, and, and I mean, it's you mentioned uh, optimization, which has an incredible number of business applications uh, for logistics, uh, supply chain, uh, scheduling, you know, any of those kinds of things where you're trying to uh, um, to, to find an optimal way of doing something. Um, and and a, another uh, application area that we're seeing uh, that we're using computers for is um, uh, Simulation of materials and simulation of physical systems to try to, uh, and this was this is where you know the word modeling I think is is very appropriate. Um, you're trying to use a computer to to, um, to model how uh, a material, a new material that you're trying to design will behave, or for example how a how a um, candidate uh, uh, pharmaceutical might uh, interact with proteins, etc. And so these are really hard computational problems, and and what that means is that as the size of the of the of the instance of the problem you're trying to um, you're trying to tackle grows the amount of computing resources you need to do that grows you know even faster far far faster and so um, you know you, you, you can very quickly uh, run out of, of uh, available computing uh, resources you know both memory and, and speed uh, time on the computer to do it um, and now quantum computing is um, you know a very uh, it's it's a it's a fundamentally different way of computing. It's you know some people, um, you know, might might think of quantum computing as sort of just classical computers souped up or, or, or running faster, and that's actually not 
the way to think about it. Quantum computing is a, involves a fundamental shift in how we think about computing, how we think about information itself. Uh, you know, what data is is actually very different for a quantum computer. Uh, and, but quantum computers, I think it's, it's important to understand that uh, quantum computers will not replace cl classical computers en masse. They won't, there are certain things that, that uh, classical computers will always be more suited to do. But there are certain hard problems that um, that uh, quantum computers are, are, are especially suited to, and and you know some of those we've already mentioned. Often, certain optimization problems, certain types of quantum computers um, are, are are you know potentially far more powerful. Uh, you know, we say exponentially more powerful um, than than any possible classical computer that we could build. Uh, and also for material science type problems, we're trying to figure out how a material will behave. Um, or, or, you know, model, um, so, you know, some companies have some, uh, uh, automotive companies, for example, have been using, um, uh, have been experimenting using quantum computers to try to design better batteries and, and sort of to simulate the chemistry that goes on in the batteries. Uh, and there are, there are companies exploring the use of quantum computers for, um, precision medicine and for, uh, drug discovery. Um, you know, and then of course, you know, there's, there are the, um, the uh, cybersecurity cryptologic applications of quantum computers, which, uh, um, you know, that's sort of what, uh, what originally got the world very excited about quantum computers was, you know, what, what it could do in that space. So, um, yeah, does that, does that answer your question? Absolutely. There's, there's a couple of things there based on what you're saying that I want to pick up on. One is, is the idea of modeling. And certainly in, from my um, perspective, a model is a representation of reality. So we have both the, uh, structure as well as the data component to it but traditionally in complex spaces we've had to make a number of assumptions in a model in order to scale it to the point at which we could actually compute the results so my first question then is is around the data side of it because you had mentioned it when you were talking there that data would be different or treated differently in a quantum space if we have with classical computers limitations on our modeling uh, representation because of the computational load of representing reality and perhaps we don't even understand reality to its full extent, we can therefore better represent in a quantum computer, my understanding is, correct me if I'm wrong, because we can um, expand or better tackle the assumptions. But the, the point that you, you mentioned was around the data side. Now, wondering if you could elaborate around how quantum computers might treat data differently. What I, what I mean when I say that um, uh, for a quantum computer, you know, we have to rethink the notion of what we mean by information. Uh, you know, perhaps data wasn't really the right word to use there. Um, in a classical computer, uh, what you're operating on are, are binary digits, bits, and a bit is either one or a zero. And, you know, your data, uh, is, is encoded in long strings of bits. Uh, you know, that's, you know, on your hard drive, your hard drive is really just a big sequence of ones and zeros. And, and you encode your data in binary in that way. And then the, the computer, a classical computer, um, operates directly on, uh, on binary data on, on, on those bits. And it, and it does, you know, um, fundamentally there are a few basic operations you can do on, on bits. You can flip them. You can have, you know, one of them flip if another one is one or a zero, you know, there's, some very basic operations you can do on bits they are called basic logic operations and computers classical computers really are just built uh on on a few basic binary operations um scaled up uh you know tremendously 
in a quantum computer, uh, you actually have what's called a quantum bit, uh, which is a, a generalization of a bit. Uh, in, in, in a quantum computer, a quantum bit of, of quantum information uh, you know, has two states, zero and one, same as a classical bit, except what's different for in, a, in a quantum computer is that uh, the state of a, of a quantum bit can actually be in a superposition of the zero and the one at the same time. So it can kind of be floating between uh, different states and it can actually take on a continuum of possible uh, you know, values between zero and one. Uh, and that's, that's one way in which uh, quantum computers are different. You know, for, for a quantum computer to, to operate and to do its magic and to, uh, um, you know, to, to, to operate quantumly, uh, you know, it needs to have, uh, it needs to be operating on these quantum bits. You know, at the end of the day, the, the information, the data that you have that you want to feed into the computer to solve a problem is going to be just classical data like anything else. Um, you know, whatever the, uh, the input to, to your problem is. And at the end, you're going to, you're going to uh, get an answer out of the quantum computer that's going to, again, be, uh, you know, binary data. It's going to, it's going to be uh, a, a string of ones and zeros. And so what goes into the quantum computer and what comes out of the quantum computer are both classical, you know, classical data. Uh, but what has to happen inside the quantum computer is that it has to take that, uh, you know, that, that input um, data and it has to represent it in quantum bits. And, uh, and so that is a sort of a technical challenge of, uh, you know, for, for people building quantum computers. Um, you know, there's a, a number of uh, things that you have to do to, to build and implement a quantum computer. And one of them is to take your, your input and to encode that input into quantum states, into, you know, you take your strings of ones and zeros, but you make them, uh, you turn that into a string of quantum bits that have those states. And then you allow the quantum computer to, um, to explore uh, and, and operate quantumly on those on those. On, the, on those inputs. Does that uh, make sense? Absolutely. The, if, we, if we got that data side sorted out, I, I want to um, ask you a question around the artificial intelligence side and the quantum side, because you mentioned those two sure. rather nicely. And as I mentioned, if we consider a representation of reality and we have the data uh, component to that, devising that model of of reality is can sometimes be quite a chore given the kinds of kinds of uh, domain areas or applications you mentioned with ai we might have the possibility of using an ai algorithm or approach to help us define what that model is what the connections are between the the data variables so that seems to me to be quite an area in which we could both define the model and use that model by combining artificial intelligence and quantum. Do you, can you give us a sense for how that might work out in various organizations or industries? I can think, for example, in weather forecasting, being able to define both the state of the weather and therefore its possibilities. Because in weather forecasting, one of the primary issues is understanding the current state and then how that state will evolve is is better known or at least some of the algorithms are there but understanding the current state of the weather is the real challenge so perhaps you can give us a, a sense for how quantum computing and ai can help change some of the various uh, application areas right so um there's been a lot of uh, talk and excitement uh, around you know possibilities for what um you know, some people call quantum machine learning or quantum enhanced machine learning or um, uh, um, trying to figure out, you know, 
is is machine learning or, or AI uh, one of those one of those places where quantum computers can bring an advantage, can bring a uh, you know a paradigm shift? Uh, and the answer is not really very clear yet. Um, you know, the, the people have have looked at various possibilities. At this point, um, you know, what we do know is that there are certain ways in which um, uh, quantum computing can enhance uh, uh, particular types of machine learning. Um, by solving optimization problems that um, are part of the whole sort of uh, AI um, uh, chain, if you will, and so there, you know, there are. So we don't yet have a, we don't yet know how to do machine learning itself natively on a quantum computer. So you know that's still, I think, a research area that's that's being figured out. Um, but what we do know is that uh, for certain types of classical machine learning, there are certain um, you know, sub problems or, or certain bottlenecks uh, that you can uh, that require you to solve hard optimization problems, and you can use quantum computers uh, to speed up the solutions to those problems. Uh, and so, quantum computers just become part of this, the the tool chain, if you will, for um, for, for machine learning. Um, but I think it's you know it's a very interesting question. But I uh, I don't think the the jury's still out on on how quantum computing and AI or machine learning are really going to come together. Uh, you know, one interesting thing you, you, you talked about, uh, um, you talked about models and, and, and um, modeling what's going on in, in reality or in, in the physical world. And, um, you know, what, what, one of the reasons why quantum computers are so powerful for material science, for example, uh, is that um, with a quantum computer, you can much more easily uh, directly simulate the quantum mechanical effects that are going on in these systems. So, um, one of the one of the things that is that I've al- that has always been really hard for classical computers to do is to simulate uh, and and model quantum quantum mechanical systems, uh, and the reason for that is that when you try to describe all of the properties of a of a of a system like uh, well you know you're talking about the weather I mean the weather is not really a quantum mechanical system but uh, when, when you're trying to model the weather what you're trying to do is is basically figure out how you know different air masses are going to are going to interact and and uh, you know how different temperature gradients are going to behave, and you're trying to model a physical system. Uh, and in that case, you know, in, in in the weather system, quantum mechanical effects aren't you know um, aren't really relevant to to how the, the system as a whole will behave. But for certain things, and especially now as we're trying to design much more advanced materials, uh, and you know when people are studying how, you know uh, what's going on inside our heads and in, in the brain and in, in, in certain biological systems, um, it's now. It's now becoming more important to try to, to try to understand all of the quantum mechanical effects that are going on between those uh, within those systems, and that is very hard for a classical computer to do because the amount of um, the amount of information uh, that you need to describe the full quantum mechanical uh, properties of a system uh, is huge. Uh, it grows up ex- it grows exponentially as as you know as the si- as you grow the size of your system. So, um, you know if you if you have a system that only has a few particles and you're trying to model that. Well, you, you can probably do that in a, in, a, in a classical computer by simulating, by just encoding all of the quantum mechanical properties in, and running it on your classical computer. But once you get beyond, you know, even probably, it depends on the system, but e- even beyond maybe a, a few dozen particles or, um, you know, fundamental units, uh, when you're trying to describe those fully quantum mechanically, you, you just rapidly run out of, of available um, computing power. And so, because a quantum computer is a quantum system, 
it can very naturally simulate and and um, model, you know, uh, the full quantum um, the full quantum properties of a physical system, and that's why, for example, uh, in material science, quantum computers can be so powerful because they can directly uh, they can directly model and explore and simulate the the full quantum mechanical properties of the system. That'd be really interesting, and it suggests a whole number of different applications. You mentioned better understanding of the human brain, but if we look at the material scientist side, that suggests that over the course of the, you know, once quantum computing becomes more of a reality, that we should expect new kinds of composite materials, uh, perhaps, perhaps somewhat addressing the environmental issues of our current uh, materials, perhaps developing materials that have properties that you know, we'll go way beyond what we can imagine. Absolutely, for 100%. Uh, I mean, I think um, for me personally, you know, the, the, um, that, that application space for quantum computing is one of the most exciting ones because uh, it's, it's one of those technologies that will, um, will lead to paradigm shifts in all kinds of other technologies, as you're saying. Once, you know, once we're able to... Um, uh, once we're able to simulate and 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 um, uh, model physical systems at the quantum level, um, the you know the, the the range of things that that that, uh, that will enable is uh, you know is, is mind-boggling. Um, you know, as you say, uh, you know, advanced materials, um, materials that have you know properties that can be controlled uh, uh, in ways that we can't do today. Um, in, in pharmaceuticals, I mean, it, the, the potential there is incredible. Um, to, you know, to be able to uh, to design drugs, uh, you know, design uh, you know medications more effectively. To be able to predict one of the things that um, that uh, some people are are using quantum computers to do, or, or in, in their research, is to to um, in precision medicine to to be able to predict um, uh, you know um, different different diseases. Um, to predict uh, you know when a person is going to have a particular uh, condition. Um, so, you know, I think. Um, Quantum computers, uh, the the simulation and, and material science applications and the pharmaceutical applications for quantum computers are, are for me the most exciting ones because uh, what they open up for the future in terms of other technologies uh, that are going to be, be you know enabled by that is is um, the sky's the limit. It is because both of those, the material sciences and the pharmaceuticals, are really, as you've alluded to several times, are really core to so much of our economy and society. Not only the health and wellness of individuals, but all the the ways that we take knowledge and represent it in a tangible form through material sciences. Everything from our our vehicles and our airplanes and our products, uh, you know, even things, our kitchen utensils, all of that rests on the material sciences and the potential may be there to come up with different properties around material sciences that can be perhaps reused or composted better so i i what you're saying in terms of this pyramid of sort of upside down pyramid of possibilities quantum computing is at the, the base and then other core elements of our economy are then affected and i imagine after that, it becomes more difficult to fully understand how that's going to cascade out. If we try, if we say we're going to have a big impact on the pharmaceutical industry and the material sciences, from there, it it cascades out into so many different possibilities that I imagine it's hard to predict 
how that will end up. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, there's a famous prediction um, when, when uh, classical computers were first um, coming to the fore. Uh, uh, you know, there's a famous prediction that I forget the number, but there was, you know, a, a total world market for, you know, only a handful of computers. And, uh, you know, originally computers were envisioned as being, you know, number crunchers that would that would do some very specific, uh, very specific, uh, you know, uh, calculations for us. But nobody uh, would have been able to predict, um, you know, the Internet, for example, which which ultimately was something that that was only made possible because we, you know, built computers and learned how to network them and all the rest of it. So I think that's, you know, you look at what, look at the classic computer and nobody could have predicted all of the changes in, in, in almost every area of technology uh, that have, that has, you know, been enabled by, uh, by the advent of computing. So quantum computing, I think is going to be another one of these, these cases where we have some ideas right now, but we're really at the, at the, at the, at the beginning, we're really at the start line. Um, you know, and we have some ideas and we're looking around and saying, okay, quantum computing is going to be amazing. It's going to help us with this, 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 and this. But I think if we fast forward 10 or 20 years, um, you know, and longer, uh, we're going to look back and say, wow, we never would have imagined that uh, quantum computing would have changed, you know, all these other things that, that, um, that it has. Absolutely. That cascade effect is so difficult to predict. As we come to the end of our front runner podcast, Phil, I'm wondering whether uh, you can give us a few takeaways or things to remember. I think you summarized it quite nicely there, and I appreciate the time that you're spending with us today. But uh, is there a couple of takeaways that our listeners can keep in mind as they read articles about quantum computing and read articles about you know the state of the art and the latest breakthroughs that are taking place? One of the takeaways is that it's coming. Uh, it, it's, it's coming rapidly uh when i say you know what's coming rapidly the the actual commercial uh application of quantum computers to solve um you know meaningful problems so quantum computing is something we've been hearing about for um you know for a couple of decades now um you, you know in the news and the media and uh but it's always been something that's sort of years in the future and uh you know you know there was some companies were more you know um Forward thinking than others, and some companies did invest in, in, in understanding quantum computing and, and uh, starting research uh, uh, efforts to try to uh, prepare for it. Um, but now it's, you know, we're going to very soon, within the next, you know, I think within the next year, we're going to start to see commercial applications of, uh, of certain types of quantum computers to solve real business problems. And so I think companies, uh, you know, uh, problem owners today who aren't making an effort to think about quantum computing and to, to start to plan for it, to, to do some analysis around how to leverage it. And, uh, you know, they're going to be left behind. So I think um, the takeaway is that this is no longer, um, this is no longer something that's, that, that, that we're looking five or 10 years out. Um, we're going to start to see uh, real applications of quantum computers coming very soon. And I think um, it's important for, for people to start to, uh, to plan for that and to, to, to look for how they can capitalize on the opportunities that are, that are going to be provided by that in the near future. Hey, thank you, Phil, for joining us today on Frontrunner Podcast. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you.